Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, it is here. The moment we've been waiting for all season long. This is our Big East Tournament preview podcast. We're recording on Sunday night, so we've had a ton of time to get it all together after a mega couch weekend. I don't know about yes. you oh, and yeah. everybody watching, but a mega couch Saturday. And we are just so excited. We are going to do everything on this episode, talk about everything you could possibly thinking, be thinking about, Villanova-related and tournament-related. And I'm just so happy we're here doing it together, Pat. How are you doing? Let's march Nova. It right? is here. It is postseason time. I'm so excited. As you said, huge couch weekend uh, for me, especially Saturday. Uh, yep. College hoops, obviously, with Nova starting at noon. And I watched basically through the Duke game. Uh, on Saturday night, it was, um, whew, that was, that was fun. And more stuff today. I watched Loyola Chicago punch their ticket to the tournament. I've had some good college hoops. We are into the madness and Ooh, there's no better time of year. It felt like Sunday. It's so funny because <laughs> I've been getting back into normalcy after NFL Sundays, obviously, when you just spend the entire day, you obviously don't make plans on Sunday during the NFL season because it's Sunday during the NFL season. And yesterday, or yesterday, as we were recording on Saturday, was the first time that I have truly felt like that since week seventeen of the NFL mm. season. That, that's and a good point. I just, I didn't even wear my Apple Watch because the steps would have just been embarrassing. I watched every single Big East game, all the big ones at night. It was awesome. OT, Kansas, Texas, Duke, UNC. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. 
It, it was so great. No, you're right. I did everything. I was luckily off on Friday. I did everything I needed to do on Friday. I got some stuff done on Sunday, but Saturday, oh no, Saturday was my day to just watch soccer in the morning and college yep. hoops in the afternoon at night. And my, what a beautiful day it was. Love it. Uh, I feel the same way. Yeah. So like we, I'm sure you can tell from our voices that we are so excited to get into today. We have the bracket. We have all the matchups. We have some really exciting questions uh, that we came up with and that you guys came up with. We did a couple polls out on Twitter and Instagram to hear your thoughts. And I don't know, Pat, where should we start? I guess we can get the, the semi-boring part out of the way, which is that Villanova had a, what, 30-plus point victory over Butler? Felt like that at some point. That's points. what it felt like, yeah. 78-59 yeah. was the final against the Bulldogs. Um, I don't think there's a lot to draw from this game other than Villanova took care of business, which is, of course, important because as we look into NCAA tournament seeding, that would have been a very bad loss to go on the resume. Uh, The Hinkle monster was slayed uh, Mm -hmm. over the weekend, importantly, as well. Listen, when it comes down to it, this is a very poor Butler team. I don't think we learned too much from this game, but a couple things that we did see. Jermaine Samuels played really well, and I think that's huge as we head into March, as we've discussed, you know, the the role that he could possibly take for really elevating this team ceiling if he lives up to kind of expectations that we saw or that we set going into the year. And Justin Moore started to heat up, which Mm. I'm not sure you can quantify how important it is if Justin Moore really gets on a roll as we head into the tournament. Yeah, it's so funny that you brought up both of those guys because I hadn't realized how cold they had both been until they started playing hot. And then hmm. you realize what this team misses when they're in a rut and more so for, for Jermaine Samuels, cause he's been cold for a while now. Um, and I actually thought his performance was very timely from our perspective because you had that very astute point on Thursday's episode about whether a fifth year senior can be an <laughs> X factor or whether this type of performance from him, 15 points, four boards, seven for 13 from the floor, whether that's just the performance we should be expecting from him Mm -hmm. at this point in the season. Yeah, he did what we asked him to do. He got to the hoop and he was in the lane and and that's all we can ask from four turnovers is too much, but I don't want to harp on the negative for him for this because I do think it was a strong game. Uh, He did end up making a three. I still... You know, I, I don't love him taking threes when one of three from it, but overall I thought it was a really strong game. The hustle was certainly there, even in a game that I think people could have downplayed for what Villanova's effort could be. Uh, I was impressed by that. And then on Moore's side, this was the least amount of three point field goal attempts from him since Butler part one, um, which I, I think is really interesting when you look at where he hasn't been very hot from three, the last couple games, two for nine, two for six and three for eight leading into this game, shot 50% at just two for four on Saturday. But Justin really attacked the rim. And that's important because, well, no, he's not the athlete that we think of with Jermaine Samuels or Brandon Slater attacking to the rim. He's one of the smoothest and silkiest finishers that this team has. And we saw that in bunches on Saturday. And I find that is really promising. Yes, Moore is going to be one of your main three-point assassins from out there, but if he's getting to the rim and at least making his game a little more rounded, and sometimes he can get a little three-point happy, uh, that's huge for this team to try to continue to change things up on the offensive side. Well, yeah, when you talk about a closer, I think everybody's mind goes to Colin Gillespie, and that's valid. But when you need a guy who can go to the rim and finish a shot, that should be Justin Moore every single time, mm-hmm. hands down. Yes, 
the, the, at the end of the uh, what was the game where he hit hit two threes in a row? At the end of that Providence game, I believe yeah, it was huge. When 30s. he just nailed those threes against Cooley's zone, like you were talking about on Thursday, that's phenomenal. But I have more confidence in him driving to the hoop at this point in the season, <laughs> and I do feel like sometimes he settles for these shots early in the shot clock where. I just feel like it's pressing a little bit mm-hmm. and he is so talented at taking it all the way. Yes. He, he might not be the most athletic guy in the court in terms of speed and agility, but he's so, so aggressive. He's so confident with the ball. And I really do trust in him to finish even up against a bigger two guard than he is. Cause he's usually one of the smaller guys and that doesn't seem to hinder him at all. Yeah, sure. And, and just one more point on this game. Uh, and I actually think this is an important point as well. Uh, the most minutes any starter played was 32 in this mm-hmm. game in, in Colin Gillespie. And I really like that. Um, yes, they were still in too late in the game. Gillespie and Moore were in, I believe, under three minutes left in a almost 30-point game. <laughs> and that's not helping anyone. Um, no. But limiting their minutes to just 32 and 30, respectively. Samuels at 27, Slater was at 26, and Dixon at 14, which I'm not going to read too much into. I know he was held scoreless, but... For, for this game, I, I don't think it's worth too much over analyzation there. Um, I think that's huge just to let these guys get a little bit of a breather and, and not put as much on their legs. We know how much Jay is going to rely on them come this tournament uh, where they're going to be asked to potentially play three games in three days. So take it as a good sign that none of them played obscene minutes. Yeah, I also don't think it's crazy important how little Dixon played. Mm, no. Yes, you would have liked to see him score, but I didn't look at that number and gasp. I was surprised to see it be so low because obviously you see him more usually, but I feel the same way. I don't think you can make any sort of grand conclusions for this, but you're going to let me take the bench. Oh, if you want to, please. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Jordan Longino, I'm going to read it out because I think the people need it, Pat. 22 minutes, four for nine from the floor, two for five from three, seven rebounds, including two offensive rebounds and 10 points jordan longino let's not make this into some sort of a side soliloquy is a word that you and i like to use yes about what his role will be in the tournament let's just take this as a freshman having a really nice last regular season game that shows a lot of potential for the player he can be next season Really excited for what we saw there. The explosiveness is there. We saw a little bit of a shot. We know how active he is on defense. I can't say I think that's going to translate to a ton of minutes come the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament, just with how I think Jay locks down his rotation. But as you said, it's not as much about that right now. It's more about thinking of the future of the program. And Jordan Longino has the potential to develop into a star on the main line. And that's the key. I feel the same way. And the last thing I have, just going back to Jermaine quickly, I was really excited by this performance, but as I've slept on it, I'm actually finding that it might've opened up more questions for me because I'm wondering if either here are the scenarios, are we underestimating the amount of time effort game planning that opposing coaches are doing to limit Jermaine Samuels? Or does he just have a really hard time against good teams (laughs) and Butler just, isn't a good team. So he's able to be really dominant in the post against Golden, NZ, Thompson, whoever he was up against against Butler. And he really struggles against the Pollies and the Whaleys of UConn and the Watsons and the Horklers of Providences. You see where I'm going with that question there? It just, it frustrates me because 
this is how good he should be every single game. This is the Jermaine Samuels we need for Villanova to make a deep run. I, I see what you're saying, uh, and, and I understand it. I, I do think it's just been a regression and that he's underperformed this year um, and that this game you know, helped going up against a, a much more inferior team that was definitely mm-hmm. interested in trying to close out Gillespie and not let him be the one to beat them uh, on Saturday, and he wasn't. It was you yeah. know, Sam, Samuels, Moore, and then looking at the bench, your Longinos, Caleb Daniels, things of that nature. Yeah. I guess that's a good answer. Yeah. And other teams are just going to have more talented yeah. perimeter players than Butler had They're They're pretty much, I was going to say a one man show, but I don't even know if that's the case. They're a bad. <laughs> Harris is pretty good. But yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. Watch out for those freshmen though. No, uh, Taylor I, had a good game. And yeah. Lukosius uh, as well. Yeah. There's some building blocks there. There's just uh, not a lot of, other than that. Yeah. It's interesting. We've talked a lot about Ewing and, what coaches are on the hot seat? Travis Steele is another name that comes to mind. Possibly. We've, we haven't really talked about Jordan. And I, mm. I saw something quickly on Twitter. I wish I, wish I could say who said it, but I think there have been about five or six losing six seasons. Yeah, six. And Jordan has had three of them. Yeah. So this was the year everybody came back. They said it on the broadcast. 97% of Butler scoring from last year returned this year. And they're still the nine seed in the big east tournament that's not exactly a comforting stat to go into the last year of your contact contract if you're jordan no i i i don't think they're going to let him go but i think things are heating up there um and yeah. while, while they returned 97 percent of their scoring it was 90 97 percent of not a lot of scoring <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. that uh that'll hurt you yeah no, I feel the same way. That That's pretty much everything I had to say. I was overall pretty happy. It didn't have a ton of negatives. And uh, I think there were more interesting Big East games to watch on Saturday than this Villanova Butler one, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. No, absolutely not. Not for not after the season Villanova's had to, uh, to be able to right? put the feet up a little bit and watch some other games. I don't think was the worst thing. Um, and some more interesting, some more interesting Big East team releases as well. This is what I'm excited to talk about. <laughs> I thought you might. I know that this gets the people going. Yes, it does. Maybe more than anything else. So, how did, should we should we read them off? What do you think the best way? To yeah, go about yeah. This is? I, I think it's good to read them off. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll start with the first team here. So the Big East on Sunday did release their first, second team, and all freshman team. Uh, their awards will come later in the week, leading into the Big East tournament. So we'll start with the first team. It is made up of RJ Cole and Adama Sonogo from UConn, Justin Lewis from Marquette, Julian Champagne from St. John's, Jared Roden from Seton Hall, and Colin Gillespie was your only unanimous selection from yeah. Villanova. Uh, initial thoughts on the team? <sighs> I'm trying to think about how to how to go about this. I know, I know. <laughs> um, So I guess my first thing was when I saw this, I had seen some predictions and Colin wasn't listed. So I assumed that that would mean he got Biggie's player of the year, but Mm -hmm. I guess they got rid of that this year. Is that true? It so it, in the for the preseason first team, the player of the year is oh, not listed because right. he's named as the player of the year. Since this okay. team comes out before the award, they list everyone, and that's okay. why there's six of them and not five. Yeah, so the 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 biggest player of the year will come from this list. I <laughs> little I'm bit really of a, inclined to think it's going to be Gillespie. I yeah. would say a little bit of a sneak peek by the fact that I said the only unanimous selection on this team yeah. was Colin Gillespie. If you do a little bit of Villanova math here, um, I would lean to imagine that he will be your biggest player of the year later this week. 
Yeah, I think let's just say I, I thought Sonogo was a very obvious pick. Lock. I thought Justin Lewis was a very obvious pick. And I thought Gillespie was an obvious pick. Okay, we I agree. truly think that Cole, Champagny, and Roden could have been substituted with some other players that are on the second mm-hmm. team. I it kind of hurt me that Freeman Liberty didn't make it. And I know that he yeah. missed time, missed time with injury. And I have to imagine that is why he is on the second team and not the first team. But when Javon Freeman Liberty was out there on the floor, the guy averaged 22 points a game. Like, yeah. Absolute stud to go with seven rebounds, mind you, as well. And a really good defender. Um, I understand he missed time. It's not like he missed a crazy amount of time. He still played in 23 games this season. Uh, for me, Freeman Liberty had to be on the first team. If you want to say over Roden, if you want to say over Cole, um, uh, for me over Roden more, Um that would be the change that I would yeah. make. It didn't surprise me that Cole was on here, the point guard of UConn. I love RJ Cole. You know, I can, yeah, you can you can concede that, and I do think he is a phenomenal player. Even Champagny, I, I understand why he's on this first team. I think people would have been stunned if he wasn't. But if you take the missed time versus the time that Champagny just flat struggled, which one do you put more stock into? Because I agree, I think Javon Freeman Liberty should, without a doubt, be on this first team list. Like there were stretches of the season where Jared Roden was not good. There were stretches of the season where Julian Champagne was not good. Yeah, for Javon sure. Freeman Liberty did not have a stretch of the season where he was not good. He just didn't play in those games. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a really interesting conundrum where you you have to value one over the other, and then you also have to think about. UConn, Marquette, St. John, Seton Hall, Villanova. You have a certain upper echelon of teams in there. And I think that the all biggies first team, second team, honorable mentions should go towards individual performances. Mm -hmm. And if you're valuing individual performances, Javon Freeman Liberty was honest to God, Pat, I think in my mind, the second best player in the biggies this year behind Colin Gillespie. Mm, That's a, that's a really interesting question. Cause you know, Sonogo and Lewis, I think have to be right there um, as well. It's tough. I think Champagne is an interesting one to look at because if you just looked over his stats year over year, they declined as well. Yeah. They, he still, of course, put up some monster numbers. He averaged 19 points a game. Doesn't, doesn't hurt. Um, but I, Compared I get to what it. it could have been exactly what I think yeah. a lot of people expected, which it maybe is not totally fair when talking about Biggie's first team, uh, instead of just expect what we expected going into the season, but uh, Freeman Liberty should be on this team. Uh, I, he really should. Uh, otherwise yeah. I don't have too many gripes with it. Yeah, I, I would have been really nice to see Justin Moore on the first As team. You know, I, I was thinking it. <laughs> I should let you take this one. All I'll say is that I wish he was on there. I don't know if I can substitute another guy for him, though, because I don't mm-hmm. think we'll, we won't talk about Justin Lewis enough. But Justin <laughs> Lewis was definitely one of the best players. Oh, in you the nailed it this year, too. You nailed yeah. exactly where I was going to go because, yes, if you remember back to October, November, when we were doing through the going through this and predictions, I said Justin Moore was going to be a Biggie's first teamer. And I will mm-hmm. fully take the slings and arrows there. What I did not expect was for Justin Lewis to become a superstar. And, and yeah. that's the spot that I, I would have guessed Moore could have taken. And Lewis just completely ascended. So going to Moore, I guess that kind of, uh, segues into the second team then so as we said Justin Moore did make the second team other guards on it Javon Freeman Liberty as we mentioned Jer- Jared Bynum as well Ryan Hawkins and Nate Watson first thought man that second team 
I stack that up against any conference second team and good luck. <laughs> yep. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, I felt the same way. My brother sent me a very agitated text that Bynum and no. Watson should have been on the first team. No, they shouldn't have. No, they shouldn't really? have. Really? No. No way. They're, they're I think good Jared players. Bynum has a case. Nate Bynum Watson could did not be. deserve to be on the first team. Bynum could be, but still, if you're picking anyone from this list and says they have to be on the first team, it's Freeman Liberty over Bynum. Over him. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then it's more. It's more over Bynum, honestly. Oh, that's going to piss some people off. I like that. Thank you for saying that. Jared Bynum had a better season than Justin Moore. I I was really impressed with Bynum this year. Uh, I I was. It's. Man, I'm trying to pull the numbers up right now, too. I, I'd still probably go more because just because of my love affair with, with Justin Moore, <laughs> um, of course. But uh, I, I was impressed by Bynum. I did see a Providence fan tweet that uh, didn't understand why Bynum didn't make the first team because he's going to be the biggest player of the year. And I actually laughed out loud. Um, yeah. So thank you for it's that. PC logic. fans. Can, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm not surprised that they're up. So your, your biggest champion did not have a first teamer. Okay, that's exactly where I'm going to go because Providence fans have felt vindicated because of that Big East regular season title. They've been proving everybody wrong. They've been proving the metrics and Kempom and the entire conference because they don't have a first-round draft pick. Hello, ESPN. That's why they haven't gotten any coverage. Uh, I I digress. But (laughs) this is just another ode to, A, actually how good of a job Ed Cooley has done with this team of – really misfits at the beginning of the year and old transfers trying to get the magic out of one year. And then they go out and supposedly the best team in the conference doesn't have a single player on the all big East first team. So I understand why Providence fans are upset, but when you look at the full picture of what all those guys in the first team did compared to what Bynum and Watson, I don't know. Nope. I don't know. Maybe Bynum over RJ Cole. I don't know. That that's the only place I think a Providence fan can try and argue if you're looking at guards here to to go yeah. there. But I'd still rather have RJ Cole when when it comes yeah. down to it. So I, it's not a slight against Providence. It's not they they mm-hmm. close they win their games. Ed Cooley's going to be coach of the year, you know all, all of those things. But I uh, yes I, I did get a nice chuckle out of Providence not having a first so teamer. Funny. Yes. Yeah. And and then lastly, Ryan Hawkins made the team. Good for Ryan Hawkins. The man just yeah. wins wherever he what goes. A season. It's so cool. Um, I, I really enjoy watching Ryan Hawkins um, and fully deserve to be on that second team. So really excited to see that. Yeah. One of my favorite lines from the Creighton Seton Hall broadcast on Saturday was the color analyst. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but he said, just this is just the way it is. Sometimes if Creighton was an East Coast team, they would be everywhere. Think about what Greg McDermott has done with his, yes, he had a really good incoming freshman class, but you really don't have any idea what you're getting from those guys for then Ryan Nemhart to go down to still, again, you choked away your last game of the season at home to get the three seed, which I still can't get over. But I, I, I truly think Ryan Hawkins had an unbelievable season. And I'll mention the honorable mentions right now. It is Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton, mm-hmm. Dara Morsell of Marquette, which I think is a really good pick. Yep. Posh Alexander from St. John's and Jack Nungy from Xavier. I think you could have argued that Kalkbrenner could have made the second team. I love Kalkbrenner. He is just – his play is so unique. Mm-hmm. He is such a unique player because you just don't see somebody with that type of height be so athletic, but he is, and he can do a lot on the court. And I think that's a huge weapon. If Creighton can just 
short some things up, be a little bit more consistent. They're going to be a tough out in the NCAA tournament. They, they certainly are. If I had to pick one of Hawkins or Kalkbrenner, I would go Hawkins. So I, yeah. I, I do get that there. And then on McDermott, you know, for McDermott this year, if there is no Ed Cooley, he's probably your coach of the year your, or your biggest yeah. coach of the year. Just remember, they lost all five starters from their Sweet 16 mm-hmm. team from a year ago. This was a complete reset. And if to give credit, when we interviewed John Fanta oh, uh, at the start I was of the season, just say that. right? Yeah. He said, watch out for Creighton. They're going to be better than you think. And I remember him mm-hmm. saying that. And my thought was, are they really? You know, with, with all yeah. the freshmen losing all this firepower, how good can Creighton be? And they have a chance to wrap up the three seed on the last day of the season and still end up as a four. I think what McDermott's done amazing. Shaka Smart can be in that conversation, of course, as well, how he's really revitalized that program there. But what Greg McDermott's done and, and the season that Creighton's had is super impressive. Yeah. And then to get to take it even a step further, three Creighton freshmen were on the Big East all-freshman team. Wow, look Trey at you Alexander. for a transition. That was beautiful. Right? Thank you. Trey Alexander, Ryan Nemhard, who was unanimous. Yes. And Arthur Kaluma. And many people think that Ryan Nemhard will win Big East Freshman of the Has Year. Cam Has Jones from Marquette joins them. Amina Muhammad from Georgetown. And Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut. I didn't have any gripes with this group, to be honest with you. Uh, I, where's Jordan Longino? I'm, I'm kidding. Um, it just, just, sadly, Don't just incite I, 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 <laughs> sadly just did not play enough this year. Um, but no, I, I have no gripes with this. I can go through all of these freshmen, but I, I will save people the the soliloquies as we say there. Uh, Ryan Nemhard is going to be your biggest freshman of the year. He has to be. I've been yeah. so impressed by him, and it's so fun to watch him run point and at the speed and use the aggression that he runs with Kaluma's progressed of, you know, we know about Muhammad cam Jones has fit right into Shaka system. And Jordan Hawkins yeah. is a uh, man that he can dunk. <laughs> he's athletic. He is a, yeah. He's a highlight reel every yeah. single time he has the ball. I did actually just Google it. Cause I wasn't sure Tyler Kolick didn't make this list. And I actually think he had a pretty strong season. I wonder if he was eligible. Cause he's a fake freshman. Oh, does that rule apply? I, I honestly don't know. I'm asking that. So uh, that might be it. Cause I believe this is year two for him, even though he's considered okay. a freshman. It would surprise me. Yeah. He, Cause he was, he was a pretty um, dependable player for them. Like you would expect a, a caliber of a player like him to make that list, but interesting. Yeah, he, I wonder yeah, I, if that rule applies. Yeah. I think he led the conference in assists if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Would make sense for you right now. He did <laughs> yeah, 5.7 assists per game. Thank yeah. You. Right above posh. Yeah. So I, I think, People are upset about Javon Freeman Liberty. People are upset about Providence's absence on the All Biggies first team. But I didn't see anything and go, oh my God, <laughs> the, sh- the shock. I think generally these picks are pretty okay. Do you agree? All this tells you is how loaded this conference is yeah. and how damn good that tournament's going to be starting on Wednesday because oh my God. there are so many great players scattered across this conference that it is going to be a show. Yeah. Pat and I were talking before we started recording and I said that this is really my second full season covering the team. Pat mm-hmm. and I on our, our old podcast, did you hear, did a lot of Villanova content last year that we did. And I just don't remember people being this excited about the tournament. And Pat said it was because of the caliber of teams this year. Everybody truly has a chance and all these teams are going to the tournament. You've obviously had a couple disappointing performers the St. John's the Xavier's the Butler's but still hopefully this turns into success into the NCAA tournament because even the uh did you see the I think it was 
college basketball on Fox Twitter handle, maybe posted all the games that you should watch on the weekend. And not <laughs> one big East team was listed. I think that's they've the done that every week now. Yeah. That's the type of disrespect that the conference does not need. So they need to go out in the tournament, big East tournament and in the NCAA tournament and start winning some games and show people. Yeah, shout out to my buddy Rick, who uh, takes a screenshot of that and sends it in our Villanova group chat every week when the Big East is left off of it uh, to Love incite it. a riot. Because, no, it, <laughs> it annoys me, too. I don't understand it. So show the Big East some respect because this conference is loaded. It's weird because there are some legitimate contenders in this conference this year. So it's great for us. We, we just know that we're going to get vindicated at some point because there's just too much talent not to. So much talent. Exciting news from 1999. 19.9 creates original designs tailored to the nostalgia of the epic moments in college basketball history. They celebrate the eras, players, coaches, and the rivalries that make college basketball the sport we love. And speaking of rivalries, check out the apparel collection from 19.9 of Villanova and the University of Connecticut. 19.9 restocked your favorite apparel and added some new vintage items. So go to 19.9.com. That's numbers one nine and the word nine, all one word.com, or follow the link in the description to grab the nostalgic gear you need. Yeah. All right. Should we transition to the fun part? The really fun part now? We start getting into some games and some questions and predictions. I'd say so. First, let's focus on some a fun thing that's going to be happening before the Villanova oh, game yeah, on let's Thursday. Do it. Yeah. So we want yeah. to give a shout out to our friends over at the Full 40, Chris and Rob, uh, who are partnering with the Villanova Club of New York City to host a pregame show live from Crompton Alehouse in New York City uh, before the Villanova game on Thursday. It's starting at 5. Uh, Nova will play at seven, but uh, I know I'm going to stop by. I, I hope a ton of other people stop by. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's for the Villanova alumni club. We know Chris and Rob do a phenomenal job over on the full 40. Always love listening to those guys and, and supporting them as well. And Chris Nataro as well from Villanova tip time is also going to be with them. And I know Emma and I both love watching Chris before Villanova game. So uh, it's going to be a cool opportunity to see some of, uh, you know, Villanova's voices really out there, meet up with Villanova alum and get ready for what should be a really exciting Thursday night. So had to shout the guys out and I'm really excited to go personally. No, I'm so bummed. I won't be there Thursday, Friday. Hopefully we get to go on Saturday because mm-hmm. they're previewing a Villanova game. Um, but this is the point of, all, of what we all do, right? You, you listen to all these episodes in a vacuum, but it's also so much fun to, interact with the people that are saying all the different things. And usually Chris, Rob, you and I are all agreeing and Chris on tip time too, but everybody does such a good job. And this is kind of the the victory lap where everybody gets to actually meet in person and have fun and get some drinks. And I think it's a great idea. I'm so glad they were able to do it. And yeah, I'm jealous you get to go on Thursday. I'm sure it's going to be so much fun and hopefully I can see everybody there on Saturday. Yeah, I, I can't wait. So thank you to the alumni club for hosting an event like this and, and really yeah. excited for Chris, Rob and Chris to, uh, to put this thing on. Yeah. So that's Thursday. That is taking away one of the days that could cause the most chaos in my mind. Pat. So let's just, I mean, I actually remember, I think this is when we interviewed Dana O'Neill last year at this time of year, right? Right before the tournament, we were talking about what some lower seeds could do. So I'm going to ask you the same question. If there's one team on Wednesday that you think could really make some noise, who would that be? Oh, it's such a fun question because looking at it, what are matchups? First off, the game start at 4.30 now, which is just great. So yeah. you're still at work, you know, throw up the phone, throw up the tablet, pull up that Fox Sports 1 app and, <laughs> and make sure to watch them. But you've got your matchups are Xavier Butler, St. John's DePaul and Seton Hall, Seton Hall, Georgetown. 
I think I'm taking the easiest way out here and going with Seton Hall as a team that can make some noise here. First, they have the easiest matchup. I'm sorry, but they are playing Georgetown uh, in game one. So you you feel good there. And they've just been playing so much better. That was a big win at Creighton. Not an easy place to go in and win on dollar beer night, mind you, I believe. Or, oh, crap. No, that was the UConn game. I'm so sorry. Um, that was Still, earlier in the week. Omaha, but Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Somewhere in middle America. Yeah. Um, it, it's a very impressive win for them. I, I look at them and just the size that they present. When Jared Roden's on, he's really difficult. And I think this is interesting here in that Bryce Aiken was ruled out for the rest of the season. And of course, it's a blow on their scoring wise. But I actually think mentally it helps them because imagine going into every game thinking, will he play? Won't he play? What's the mm. team going to look like? They just know they're going from here on out without him. And Kadari Richmond and, and Jared Roden can kind of take the reins and try to lead things here. With how they are playing lately and what they're able to do on the defensive side of the ball, I expect them to get past Georgetown. And they can give UConn a difficult game on Thursday night. So be careful of Seton Hall. We know that they're – and especially say they – will say they play Villanova on Friday night as an example if Nova's able to even get there. That's not an easy matchup as we've seen in the two games that Nova's played with them. So watch out for the Pirates. They are starting to heat up. Yeah, they're – Defense has always been worrisome. It seems like every single year we every single year we play them, every single time we play them, they always give Villanova a hard time. And I'll, I'll make it even – I really like your point about Aiken. I'll make it even more obvious they're bigger without him. Mm-hmm. They have some serious size. Iko Biago is almost exclusively in there to shot block, which is fine for them. I mean, he still wreaks just as much havoc on his own. But you've got more time for Yetna. You've got more time for Richmond. They have a lot of options, and I truly – think Villanova uh, kind of dodged the bullet when they played Seton Hall when they did, because that was when I believe it was Tyrese Samuel and Obiagu were out. They were without all their bigs. Yeah. It was the January 1st game. I really think that Nova dodged a bullet. They're not getting full strength Seton Hall. And then they did end up beating them the second time around. And that was when they were quote unquote healthy. But again, the cohesion is different when you have a, a, COVID stoppage. So I do not think that Seton Hall is an easy game at all. Yes, for Villanova, it would be better than UConn, but it would still be a little worrisome. But that is the easy pick, Pat. So I'm going to go with somebody else. Okay, I was going to ask you. I'm going to go with DePaul. I love that. Thank you for saying that. I I did it for you. I really feel like you got to wrap your DePaul for the end of the season. So I'll take it for you. So Taking out their loss against UConn on Saturday, they only lost by seven, 75 to 68 at, at UConn on the road, a game that they almost came back from. RJ Cole had a really, really bad game, and DePaul had a really nice second-half kick to make it close. Before that, they had won three straight. It was against St. John's, Georgetown, and Marquette, so not exactly the cream of the crop, but still, they had a little momentum after dropping four straight, and I think these guys want to win for Tony Stubblefield. And I know that we've talked about that a lot and how much his emergence and even the fact that he's now here instead of Dave Lado has done for this program, but they have carved a niche for themselves. Mm. And that niche is scoring a ton of points, playing crazy high tempo. They're ranked 88th overall in the country, according to, to Ken Palm in terms of tempo. And just putting the ball in Javon Freeman Liberty's hands and letting him cook. And again, he is, in my mind, second best player and probably the best scorer in the conference. I think they're really dangerous. They're not great defensively. They do have some size and the Ungendas and 
I can't remember any of their other David Jones has some head. Yeah, David too. Jones is yeah. another one. Again, besides JFL, offensively, they're not that much of a threat. But mm-hmm. when he's in and he's healthy, I do think they present a difficult matchup. Definitely not something that you can just sleep on. I think they beat the Johnnies on, on Wednesday yeah. night. I don't trust St. John's. I just I do too. Yeah, yeah. They, they've shown us, you know, so many just they've let us down so many times. It's the simplest mm-hmm. way to put St. John's. They've lost three of their last four. Yes, it was a big win against Xavier um, that they had a, you know, a week ago, but I can't say I've been super impressed with what I've seen from St. John's, even though they've played some close games. Uh, I, I think DePaul wins that game. I like going to DePaul other than the fact that their round two opponent would be Villanova. So I can't pick mm-hmm. them to say they're going to make some noise. Absolutely not. Not on this show. Please. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I did not think of that, but yeah, I also had them beating St. John's because I won't let myself get hurt again. Another <laughs> exactly. thing to note though, because, uh, Maybe I did say this just so that I could say this stat. When Villanova played DePaul the second time, they limited them to 43 points. There mm. were some point scores, the scoring totals that were better. I think they limited Butler to 41 points early in the season. Or that was Creighton, 75-41. Oof, that was, that was insane. Yes. But I think Villanova has the potential to lock them down, again, because they are so dimensional with JFL. But I just wanted to give them some credit because, again, this was not the DePaul that lost – 24 games in the last four seasons that that's what we've been no. used to i really do think that they have some talent to work with I and mean, this is not even the depaul that villanova won that last game against because freeman liberty was out so yeah. they, they they have certainly uh gained some steam here and if it is depaul on thursday night well we might laugh and say it's depaul no stubblefield's done a really nice job with them so yeah um, so, something to certainly watch I would be worried if people laughed because yeah. I don't think you can laugh about DePaul. <laughs> no, take DePaul seriously. I'm more scared of DePaul than I would be of a Butler. We'll put it that way. Um, even though they're, yeah. they're a better seed. Um, would you be more scared of a DePaul or a St. John's? Um, if we St. Know, John's actually came out and won. I would say it depends on how St. John's looks uh, on Wednesday yeah. night. Cause they're just so you never know what you're going to get. The, of course the style of play can cause Villanova issues with mm. how they run. But I think Villanova also just has the ability to really control everything tempo-wise, make St. John's frustrated, and close things out. Even though the Johnnies gave Villanova some, you know, some tough games, so it's not going to be easy either way on Thursday. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you do get two of the highest tempo teams in the conference, which is really interesting when you paint it against Villanova and especially the way the Butler played on Saturday. Oh, my Mm. God. You just cannot expect to play that slow and beat Villanova at the game that Villanova created. Come on now. Everybody knows that. But um, have you checked Ken Palm lately? Have you checked St. John's Ken Palm lately? I have not. Guess where their tempo ranks. Is it top 10 in the country? Oh, it is. It's higher than that. It's it's higher than top 10. Mm Mm-hmm. Top five? Top two. <laughs> they have the second they are running. tempo. The thing is, I'm just so hesitant to think that that's the same team that we faced last year. The team that caused Colin Gillespie to turn the ball over six times. When have they shown that? I remember this was the game where Villanova lost that crazy, crazy lead. No, I didn't get to watch it live. That was, that was my Olympics. So that's where they, they potentially caused some issues. But I can't say that this team incites the same type of fear that I've had in previous years, because I don't think they're that same team. 
Yeah, I'm trying not to think about that game. It's probably a good thing you couldn't watch it live because um, <laughs> for I my said, mental health. Yeah, I said some yeah. things that I definitely can't say on this podcast during that <laughs> game. So, <wait. laughs> um, yeah. speaking of potential matchups, then for Villanova on Thursday, which Thursday game are you most looking forward mm. to? Are we going to take the cop Creighton, out and say the only set game? Yeah, we are. Aren't we? The only set game. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I think Creighton Marquette is objectively a very, very good game. It's such I a good their, game. Their styles are really interesting. And also both of these teams have shown crazy stretches of inconsistency and then crazy stretches where I said Marquette could be one of the best t- teams in the conference. Mm. Creighton had the chance to be the third best team in the conference. So they've been there. And then there have just been little things. Nemhard got hurt. Marquette kind of fell off a cliff. I don't really know what happened to them, to be honest. Yeah, they but I'm going to go with Providence. Stretch. I'm going to go with Providence. I think any game that Providence plays in in this tournament, I love that you're using going, this. Yeah, is going to be much watch TV. I mean, if Butler miraculously beats Xavier, I don't think it's going to be a fired. close game. That's, I mean, that being said, Butler literally pushed Providence to overtime. So that actually is a moot point. Xavier maybe causes some issues because we know that they have more talent than the eight seed. They've just been in a horrible rut. But honest to God, any game that Providence is in, you just have no idea what version of them they're going to get. I haven't heard anything about Al Durham. Have you? No, I'm going to imagine he's going to play, but they've been very quiet on him. Yeah, I, I would be floored if he couldn't. That would mean it was a very, very significant injury. I definitely don't think they can do it without him. But if you get a grooving starters plus the sixth man of Bynum, could be a dangerous team. You could mm-hmm. also get the team that can't put away Butler and, and Xavier in the three three overtime. So it's just a toss-up every single time. That's why it's must-watch TV. God, I love that you went that way because I was thinking the exact opposite where I'm like, oh, look at any of the other three other games other than the Providence game, just being that Xavier has been such a shell of what we expected. Mm-hmm. And Butler is, um, I don't know if I should finish that sentence. So, Awful. I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm looking through here. I, I love the Creighton Marquette. As I said, I think no matter who Villanova plays, it's going to be a game mm-hmm. on Thursday night. I, it, I would be shocked if Georgetown beat Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Being that they just finished the winless season. So RIP to my take that they were going to beat Xavier. Uh, that was, I'm literally not ready to talk about it. I know, neither am I, which ready. is why we're going to gloss yep. over it. Um, yep. So it leads me to, it's the late game, but if it is UConn Seton Hall, first also bringing in the fact of what the garden is going to be like mm. with Seton Hall and UConn, of course, being two local schools there and UConn having fans there. That'll be their first game with fans in a long time um, at the garden with the bye on, on Wednesday. I think the place is going to be going nuts, um, especially if they get there early or we're pre-gaming beforehand. There could be a drink or two will have been consumed by the time that game tips off for UConn and Seton Hall fans. And I think it's got the potential to be a grind with how Seton Hall plays with the physicality of UConn and, and, you know, their ability down low. That game would shape up to be a phenomenal quarterfinal matchup. And so, of course, we can't say it for sure because we don't know if that is what the true matchup will be. But if that's how things shake out, that's the game I'd be most excited for. And it's the late game, of course, on Thursday night. Yeah, and we're going to do a lot of talking about whether we like Villanova's path. But again, Seton Hall, I don't know if I would rather them over a Creighton or Marquette if things were different. Seton Hall is a really tough matchup. And I like what you said about them versus UConn because you've got the Cole versus Roden. And then I think what's even more fun to watch is the Sonogo versus Obiagu. Oh, yeah. Sonogo versus Samuel. Those are some tough, tough big men 
going against each other. Yetna too, I think is one of the most underrated players in the conference. So again, every single, this is such a cop-out answer, but we've seen different versions of almost every single team, maybe besides Villanova, honestly. Providence can be a toss-up. Creighton, Marquette, kind of middle of the pack. UConn, we don't really know. Seton Hall can struggle offensively. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a ton of upsets. I also wouldn't be shocked if on Friday we get to pick between Providence, Villanova, and UConn. And Mm -hmm. going back to your local point, that's a lot of East Coasters making their way into the Garden, which is exactly what we need. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. So speaking of the Garden, you will be watching the first two games uh, from home. I will Mm -hmm. be there, but I'm interested for all the people watching here. What would be your drink of choice to get you through these fun games when Villanova is not playing and stressful games when Villanova is playing? What an interesting question. It's Biggie's tournament time. We're going to break just to split it up a little bit. We're going to have a fun question. Yeah, I'm going to give you something pretty, pretty specific. Oh, my God. Pretty specific. Have you been drinking? Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Strongbow cider. I've never had that. What what flavor cider? Um, it's the typical apple-y, you know, just regular cider. A little like Angry Orchard. Is so good. Yeah. Can you tell that I'm not a huge drinker? I just completely <laughs> added myself on the show. But um, Strongbow is my go-to cider. It, it is similar to Angry Orchards. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good. Um, White Claw is another one. But if I'm going to be stressful, you can't be downing seltzers. You know, it's too much liquid. So <laughs> you got to be smart. You got to do something smart. What would you do? Some may say you would be downing um, if it's stressful. True. Um, True. <laughs> no, I, I'm a big, uh, I love to try any sorts of different beers. So it's, it's my favorite to do craft beers and things like that. Mm-hmm. I love to give my, my guys a shout out victory, which is a local bar to, uh, which is not far oh, cool. from Villanova. I think it's about a half hour from Nova and their sour monkey is my favorite. Um, mm. And it is mostly because yes, it's a sour. It's also 9.4% alcohol. So you talk okay. about stress. Killing two birds. Yeah. It'll help you out there. So let us know yeah. what your drinks are to get you through these big East tournament games. Cause a, it's going to be fun and B you might be stressed out a little bit. Hopefully they have that at the, the ale house where the full 40 and Chris will be before. Uh, one could hope, listen, I I'm not a picky drinker, so I will, I will take whatever's <laughs> in front of me. Yeah, exactly. But that's my favorite. So that's a fun question to break things up. Um, I love it. Thank you. And thank you. I, I think we got to end on the most fun question before yeah. we get to the mailbag. Right. Yeah. 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 Can we go through every game and say our picks really quick? Oh, you want to? Yeah, absolutely. I think we should. I think we do you have a bracket up in front of you. I do have a bracket up in front of me. All right. I think we should just take every single game, no explanation, just say the score, say the uh, winner. The winner? Cool. All right. Xavier Butler. Xavier. Xavier. St. John's DePaul. 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 Seton Hall, Georgetown. Seton Hall. Seton Hall. All right. So that's that's a fun stretch. I'll do the quarterfinals here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Providence, Xavier. I do think Providence gets through. I agree. Providence, Creighton, Marquette. Marquette. I also had Marquette, Pat. Oh, good this one. is not good. Villanova, DePaul. Villanova, of course. Yep. And then UConn, Seton Hall. Can you tell we're on the same page? Um, mm-hmm. As much as I talk Seton Hall up, UConn is winning that game. Yep. Okay, so we've got Providence, Marquette, Villanova, and UConn. In that's the a fun, that's a fun Friday. Friday night. That it's is a fun, fun Friday night. Friday. And I'll tell Providence, you why it's going to be more fun. Marquette. Because Marquette takes down problems. Yep. It's over. It's over. I think I'm going to say Providence. I knew you were. (laughs) 
don't don't tell me I'm being predictable. Okay, so we've got a difference there, and then we've got Villanova UConn. You know how much I love UConn, and I, I talk about how impressed I am, and and how much how many issues they're going to cause for Villanova. But Colin Gillespie gets it done, and the Cats mm. go to the final on Saturday. Mm, I love it. I have also talked UConn up. I was also under the impression that UConn would sweep Villanova this season because matchup wise, they are just too big and too physical. I think Eric Dixon will shut Adama Sunoco down. Oh, wow. And that is the reason why Villanova will advance to the final. Look at that. So you've got a Providence Nova final. I've got a Marquette Providence, Marquette Providence. I've got a Marquette (laughs) Nova final. Who is your champion? I have Nova. Oh, the luck runs out for Providence. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Villanova's too good Villanova's too good and as scary as this would be if Marquette is there you know after beating Creighton after taking down Providence and of course sweeping Villanova obviously not a great matchup but I do think Villanova does go back to the mountaintop and win this thing this weekend and yeah. takes home the Big East tournament title there's just no way they lose to an opponent three times in one season if, right? it's, if they get there if they get there that's the UConn, has that ever happened I do not know off the top of my head yeah, that would be shocking. Yeah, uh, especially during the Jay Wright era. But yeah, I, I think that UConn game, you know, as I said, Thursday's tough. UConn is the miserable matchup. I was pulling so hard uh, for Creighton to beat Seton Hall so that UConn would go to the four seed. Um, I, I certainly think UConn has some potential. If Villanova does not win the end, uh, not the NCAA tournament. If Villanova does not win the Big East tournament, it will be the Huskies, in my opinion. Okay. You think, yeah, you think UConn beats Marquette? Marquette, Providence, whoever's there on, on that side, I, yeah. I do think UConn is the second best team in the conference. Interesting. I don't know. I guess I hadn't thought about it that explicitly. You can say Providence. It's okay. I think, again, if we get this Providence that finds a way to close, I think that they are one of the best closing teams in the conference, and they can get lucky and get a poor shooting Villanova performance or get a poor shooting Creighton performance or Marquette. I don't actually think that Creighton or Marquette are both explicitly elite offenses. I think Providence can make a deep run, but I would be surprised if they could beat Villanova in the final. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine just, I know that people aren't going to be happy with this, but imagine how happy Providence would be. I don't want to think about it. You're too invested. Yes. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I do think, I mean, I always say I'm going to have all these upsets and then I almost never do, but I have DePaul. I have, I guess Marquette Creighton is an upset and that's pretty much it. But because Providence is the one seed, I still feel like everybody's kind of viewing them as an, as an upset pick. Mm. Yeah. It listen, what it comes down to as we just went through all of it, there are so many good teams. There are so many fun matchups and there's a decent chance what we outlined, nothing even close happens Not even to, to what we said. But hey, that's what we're thinking right now on Sunday as we record this. <laughs> yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, you want to close with the mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. We got some really good ones. Thank you for everybody in a pretty short time period, again, because we're recording on Sunday instead yes. of Monday this week. We appreciate everybody who got their questions in. Absolutely. And we got a decent amount of questions too. So thank you to everyone for sending them. We'll start with Matt Burgers just because it, it's close to uh, what we were just talking about here, looking at the bracket, do you think Villanova's path is easier than Providence's? No, because of UConn. Yeah. And I think if Creighton had beat Seton Hall, then I would have been saying yes to that question. Mm-hmm. I, I think UConn is just, again, we, we said it all. I'm not, you don't even need to spend 30 seconds on it. UConn is just such a tough matchup 
for Villanova that I would feel much more comfortable playing Creighton or Marquette, even though both of those teams have wins over Villanova this season. And obviously Marquette had that sweep. I just think UConn is really tough, especially at the Garden. That'll be brutal. Yeah, I think Villanova has the tougher path as well, just because the winner of the Xavier Butler game, you know, both of them have struggled mightily Mm -hmm. throughout this season. Creighton Marquette is just not the same caliber for if Nova had to play Seton Hall or UConn um, on Friday night. So I I do think Villanova has the harder end of the stick, um, which, listen, I get Providence was your one seed, so they they should have the the easier run through. Uh, But it does not mean that Villanova cannot overcome that as we just kind of went through. As we both think is going to happen. Yeah, actually, just curious. Do you think that Creighton or Marquette would be better than Seton Hall, even though they're the four or five and Seton Hall's the six? Ooh, uh, I, I do not want to see Marquette, uh, as, as mentioned. If it comes down to the final, I, I get it, and let's do it. But uh, I would prefer to not see Marquette with the issues they gave Villanova this season. Yeah, and maybe it's just because we haven't played them in so long. But I mm-hmm. would love to play Creighton. I am also nervous about Marquette, and I'm nervous about Seton Hall. Yeah, Creighton I, is the one team that I'm confident to play against, and of course that means they would probably crush us. But. <laughs> I, I downplayed Creighton just because with Nemhard out. With Nemhard in, yeah. they, they freak me out. Uh, with Nemhard out, they listen, they beat UConn at home. So I was they, just going to say, they, they did beat UConn. They yeah. are not pushovers by any means, but they're just they're not the same team, and it's, it's not their fault. It's, uh, it was yeah. a really awful injury to see. Yeah, and then the one team we, we really haven't talked about that – is up there is Xavier. I mean, they have had this horrible skid to end the season, but would you be shocked if they're able to turn things around and Paul Scruggs plays really well and Jack Nungie has a really good tournament? Do you see them maybe beating Providence? Or is their season just over and done already? If you asked me that six weeks ago, I would have said yes. Yeah. All the things we've seen from them, I don't trust them. Yeah, and six weeks ago, if you had said they were the eight seed in the Big East tournament, we would have laughed. Yes, yes. I thought there was a potential they could have been the three at the beginning of the season, or the four. Um, So eight, ooh, rough rough look for them. Uh, We kind of answered this one from Eugene, but I'm always going to give Eugene a shout out. Um, Mm -hmm. He says, there hasn't been a one versus two seed final matchup since 2004. Does it finally happen this year with Providence and Nova? Does someone crash the party? Do they both get knocked out before the finals. So you say yes, I say no. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if if UConn does beat Villanova. You know, I guess in the same straw, I wouldn't be surprised if a Marquette beats a Providence. But I had no idea it had been since 2004. When you think yeah. about it like that, the odds of the top two seeds making it are pretty slim. Mm-hmm. But I think this version of Villanova has a really good shot to make it to the final. I, I think so too. Uh, moving to our friend, Jerry Quinn, always love Jerry's questions. Um, and first off, I I do actually want to plug something from Jerry as well. He's running his Villanova essay contest for a a Villanova student to win a trip to their first round matchup. Um, so be sure to check out Jerry's Twitter for some more information on that at DC underscore Villanova. Always supporting you, Jerry. Uh, question one, has big game Jermaine made a reappearance? And if so, how much of our team's success in the Big East tournament and, and NCAA tournament is linked to this? Yeah, I mean, it's the question we've been asking. Yes, it season, is. Right. It's, it's becoming almost exhausting to talk about. We saw him reemerge against Butler. So I guess you have to draw your old conclusions from that. Is that a reemergence, or is it just him beating up on an inferior opponent? I, 
I would like to hope that it's the former and, <laughs> and he will step up and continue to drive and be strong and physical and imposing in the Big East tournament and then in the NCAA tournament. But I don't know. That's my answer, Pat. I don't know with a sigh at the end. No, I, I get it. I think that this is the best time we could hope to see Jermaine have a big yeah. game as we did against Butler. Yes, it was against a lesser team. Yes, it was in a game that didn't matter for the standings. But going into the Big East tournament, I'm glad to see him make some strides. And I do think it's really important that he plays well. Is it the most important thing? No. I think they need the trio of Gillespie, Moore, and Daniels to be on for them to really make some noise. But if Samuels is providing some really strong supporting work, that's going to be very key, of course, as well. Yes, that is such a good point. I'm so happy you said that and added Daniels into that. Oh, shout out because, to And this was, this was the point that we had kind of been talking about all year about the bench depth too. It's the chicken or the egg. Yes, you would like to see the bench develop. You would like to see Villanova have more than a seven-man rotation. But this team is going to win or lose games depending on how Colin and Justin shoot. That's mm-hmm. always been how it's been. So yes, it's so tantalizing to watch Jermaine and Slater play the way that they've been playing. And I actually think that slowly but surely Slater is now in his own category because he mm-hmm. has shown a stretch of what, four or five games now where he's almost back to his normal self, not that 20 point scoring total, but much more physical and not afraid to drive with the ball. It's just so tantalizing when you watch Nova play the way they did against Butler because you think that this is the most cohesive, balanced group they've been since January when B.A. and Longino were out on the floor scoring. Samuels and Slater were playing well. Gillespie and Moore and Daniels were at their peak scoring. I think that's when Villanova looked the best they have all season. And that's the team that you can see going all the way to the Final Four. And then in some games, some of those guys just don't show up. And I think that's what you have to expect, especially in high leverage games. But yeah. if you can just, if you can see Samuels picking up the slack, if one of those guys doesn't show up, it definitely takes the pressure off a little bit. It just has been so inconsistent that I really don't know what we're going to see. For sure. Uh, will we see yeah. more of Longino in the rotation? You can take this one first. Huh. Huh. Jerry, the, the answer is I hope <laughs> I wish <laughs> uh, definitely for next year. And I hope, I hope he gets some minutes in, in the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament because I really do believe he can make an impact as currently constituted right now. But I, I'm not counting on it. Yeah, and I do think that Saturday's performance has nothing to do with it. I think we're past the point of Longino, quote-unquote, proving himself in games. I think Wright knew what he was getting all season long. And it's just been the trust point, right? That we've talked about all year that you can disagree with. But I think it would be naive to think that Jay Wright didn't know what Jordan Longino can do. So just because he drops 10 points and scores uh, and shoots two threes doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's going to get this playing time. I think it's more likely that we see him get play time in the Big East tournament as opposed to the NCAA tournament. But I am going to set my expectations low because like you, I don't want to be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, And then finally, we've kind of alluded to a little bit, but will you both be at MSG for the biggest tournament? I'm hoping Saturday. Mm. You will be there longer than I will, though. Yes, I I will be there Thursday and Friday and hoping to be there Saturday. So, yeah, 
yeah, I'm so excited. I, I usually go every year. Um, it's of course been a while with COVID and everything. So I cannot wait to get back in the garden. <laughs> yeah. We should set up some sort of, we can obviously talk about this more Pat. And if you want to do it on your own too, but if Nova is in the game on Saturday, we should set up some sort of meet and greet with people. Like we can stand by a pole or something. People can come <laughs> over if they want to chat, but that'd be cool to meet all the people. And especially the people who've been leaving us questions all year long. If everybody's there, we'll definitely set up some sort of communication so we can hopefully meet some people. Yeah, it might help at Crompton Ale too with the alumni yeah, uh, association. That, that especially, totally. So no, we'll we'll certainly figure it out. Um, uh, I've been looking for which questions I want to go to next. I'll go with Brendan Riley's next. And it's a difficult one, so we might not be able to get through it, but <laughs> we know how the teams are seated. How would you rank the Big East fan bases? So I have some really... Um, like obvious picks for mm-hmm. probably about four or five of them. And the other ones I really just didn't have any preference or thoughts about. So can I tell you the ones that I really care about? Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe we can fill in the blanks. So I, I said DePaul was the top fan base. Oh my God, I, I love I, that. I, I think they've been having a really tough time and they deserve a little bit of credit here. I put Nova as two. I put DePaul as 10. 10? Why? Because I've never met a DePaul fan before and they and they don't. <laughs> there's not exactly a raucous environment there. So I love I mean, that you put them as one. Yeah, I guess actually, I know. I mean, I know Brendan's not trying to be all philosophical, but you could think about this in a lot of different ways. Oh, of course. Because my my bottom four were Georgetown, Seton Hall, UConn, Providence. Oh, so you put with who you disliked the most. Who I dislike, and also I think Providence, the fact that they throw stuff onto the court after games is just inconceivable. Oh, that's I think okay. UConn is just the worst. I put and Providence as 11. Kind of, Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I mean, I put them more so in terms of uh, respect level show. Okay. I guess. Interesting. No, no, no. I, so we looked at it differently. That's totally fine. No, I, I like where you did that. I, I actually left Villanova out of this because, of, okay. you know, of course, I, I was going to put it's them out biased. once. Yeah, yeah I, I think the UConn and Seton Hall contingents, I'm always so impressed with, um, you know, to put it there with the fans. I, I cannot like them, um, but I, I'm certainly impressed with what I see. You know, from the Midwest schools, Xavier packs and toss. Yeah. So, you know, respect there. Um, you know, as you said, if, if you want to start to kind of divvy up where to go after that, other than the fact that without a doubt, I will keep Providence at 11 uh, and not mm-hmm. even consider moving them. I actually was shocked by how loud Pinkle was on Saturday. Oh, uh, I wanted to say Butler too. Yes, they they yeah. deserve it for what they turn Hinkle into. Hinkle, Xavier and Butler are actually really good picks. I think I had them four and five. Yeah, they were pretty high up on mine. I had Crane at three really for no reason at all, but I kind of like Crane, so... Omaha shows up, right? They got to yeah. win over Nova in the first game of the Big East regular season. Might get them the three spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we have one more from Twitter and I have two from Instagram here. So let me get the two Instagram questions up. Uh, two people that we know, which is always fun. First one is from Matt Wood. Um, is there any chance Colin Gillespie will be able to come back for a seventh year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I think we'll put he it might, that way. Honestly, of all people, he will be the one who extends the rule. Jay I'm, will I can figure out a way. Say that. Yeah. Listen, you know Jay hates playing freshmen, so he's going to find a way to play a seventh year right? Colin Gillespie, right? <laughs> J- just so the freshmen don't play. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not really. But um, and then uh, another question from Sophia Cook: Which team in the Big East is Nova's biggest competitor? You know who uh, I think already. I think yeah. you are on the same page here. 
I know it feels so repetitive at this point, but I'm, I'm going to stick with UConn, who I've just been saying all year long. The the UConn that we saw when Villanova visited, um, was it Gamble or Hartford? Was It was at Excel Center, right? It was in Hartford, yeah. It wasn't at Gamble. Yeah. The UConn that we saw at the Excel Center is a really, really dangerous team that I want zero part of. Mm. Mm. I, yeah, and you, you know I'm with you on UConn. They are they're such a tough matchup. Yeah, but I honestly think that you and I could spend an entire podcast talking about either a player or a style that would be detrimental to Villanova. Athleticism and, and quickness. Right. Tempo, <laughs> yeah, exactly. defense. Yeah, a lot of these teams have things that Villanova should be scared of. But yeah. I think as a whole, comprehensively, UConn is just a different beast. The Baylor Bears. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I save this one last because I think it is such a fun question and funny question, especially with everything that goes into it. And try to bear with me here as I try to go through it. So this is kind of stemming from everything that was about Coach K this weekend and, of course, his final game in Durham. Big East Tasty asks, is there an alternative universe where the Big East TV deal stays with ESPN. And instead of them pushing the ACC and Coach K like they did, they push the Big East. So Jay Wright becomes into that kind of Tim Tebow, LeBron James type area of people hating him simply due to the constant exposure. God, I love thinking outside the box on that this question. Is, I got this question and genuinely said out loud, Wow, I've That's never awesome. thought about that before. It's awesome. Because it's true. People don't like the ACC. I think for the most part, because they're associated with ESPN and people are so sick of how they market of getting them. it forced down the yeah. throat. Yeah. I mean, tell tell me about the box. Tell me about the double box on Saturday. Oh, it was the worst thing ever. I, yeah. So, I, <laughs> so we are going into this. Um, we are. We're di- big, tasty. Biggie's Tasty wants it, Pat. For, for those that weren't watching, uh, if you were trying to watch the final minutes of the Kansas-Texas game on ESPN, which is, of course, conference rivals, two ranked teams, two of the better teams in the country, one-point game, under two minutes to go in it, that game was relegated to a double box on the last day of the regular season to watch the Coach K, Coach K walk out of the locker room and be high-fived <laughs> by his former players. And uh, I can tell you that if I was a Kansas or Texas fan, I would have been furious that my game in the final two minutes of a one point game against a rival like that was uh, relegated to being half of my screen, less than half of my screen. Honestly, was shocked that they didn't just cut overtime. Yeah. I'm genuinely surprised that they showed overtime because that was just about the worst thing that could have happened in the eyes of ESPN. And again, I don't have a problem with Coach K. Do you? He's not my favorite. I'll leave it at that. But it was a nice ceremony. It was a nice ceremony, but I I don't have a problem with him other than, oh, this big ceremony. It's on ESPN. Who cares? I watched the first couple minutes of the thing at the end. And then then the third speech in, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And what other school are they televising that for? So I think it's just ridiculous treatment. I understand that Coach K is in a league of his own. He's setting records that oh, I don't yeah. think anybody Respect will come the heck out of what close he's done. to. Yeah, of course. But it's a really interesting question. I mean, Biggie's Tasty, you can lock it down that the suit conversation would be 100 times oh God, what have you more done? amplified 
if Jay Wright was on ESPN rather than Fox Sports 1. I mean, you, you have to give them that, right? Yeah, so my answer to this question is, yeah, probably. I, I think that Jay is such a likable guy that it wouldn't be as tough as mm-hmm. K because K can be very cold. Um, and, you know, you've seen it with likable. student reporters yeah. at time and he takes issues with questions. Jay is not like that. And saying that as someone that had was lucky enough to cover him over four years at Villanova, never really saw him um, get angry with the media and things like that. So I, I think the personalities are different, but people will absolutely get exhausted of Villanova and, and, and Jay a little bit more if uh, if they were marketed the way that they pushed Duke and K, just not to the same extent because they are such different personalities. And Jay truly is, as I say, this a really good person to be around. Oh, such I've never once heard him take any sort of negative comment towards anyone. No. Yeah. But just to play devil's advocate. Yeah. Was coach K always like that or did the coverage and the media push him to be like that? Ooh, I like where you're going there. I think it's kind of always been in him a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I, I feel the same way, but it's interesting to think about not saying that Jay Wright would ever act that way towards media or uh, reporters or anything like that. But it is really interesting to think about. And you think about, I mean, the Patrick Ewing coverage mm-hmm. if Georgetown was on ESPN. And oh, there there would be some interesting uh, Dan Hurley. Oh, my God. UConn on ESPN. I'm not sure the world would be able to handle it. <laughs> Imagine what ESPN would do with Ewing, Laval Jordan and such like what they do with Frank Vogel and the Lakers with the with the I focus can't. on that. It's, yeah, exactly. I can't. I can't. I can't. That's why I don't watch much <laughs> <I can't>. ESPN. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's exhausting at times, but love the creative question. Yeah. Oh, so cool. Um, yeah. So cool. So great thinking outside the box there. Big tasty. Um, that was yeah, fun. Phenomenal. Ooh, we had some good questions. This is, I mean, I'm, I hope people are as excited as we are because yeah. I have been here. looking forward to specifically this preview episode for so long because I think it's so fun to zoom out a little bit and just look at everybody and see what everybody can do and who's going to make crazy runs. And of course, we both think that Villanova is the favorite and that they will come away with it, but things might not go as planned as we saw last year, most recently. No, there is certainly no guarantee that things will go as planned here. Um, And what it all leans into, it's a great tournament. Fans are back. It's Madison Square Garden. It's the Big East. It's as good a year the Big East has had in a long time. Yeah, Villanova has a chance to cut down the nets on Saturday. So it all leads into what will be a phenomenal week. I'm so excited uh, for all of this to go down. Um, Let's march Nova, as we said. And uh, It's been too long since they cut down those nets. It, it has been. I, I want it back. Um, yeah, so I really want that Big East tournament title back. Um, so Let's do it. Probably not breaking news that the two Villanovans on a Villanova podcast both picked them to win the Big East tournament. <laughs> we but, try to be objective. Yes. Um, but could not be more excited for, for the March to Saturday. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned it at the beginning, but this will be our only podcast this week because yes. – we will be focusing on watching the games. And then, of course, next week, we will have a full breakdown recap of the Big East tournament. It'll be right after Selection Sunday. We're still have some ideas in the works for some, some fun interactive things. But you can count on having two episodes next week and back into some regularly scheduled programming for the real best time of the season. Because we are going to be deep into it next week. This is March. Um, and, uh, so so one episode this week back at it next week and hope to see people at Crompton Alehouse as well for the, the alumni 
Association this week uh, for the Big East Tournament with Chris Robb and Chris going to do an awesome job with that. Awesome. All right. That'll do it then for the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for plenty of content to keep you up to date on the Big East Tournament. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. We will be back at it next Tuesday, but be sure to check in with us on Twitter and uh, hopefully can meet some of you guys at the tournament. Uh, And otherwise, Nova Nation, enjoy the Big East Tournament. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.